You are listening to Courageous Leadership, the podcast with me, Diana Osagi, the author of the book, Courageous Leadership. This is the place where inspirational leaders and everyday heroes share their inside story of leadership. Today's episode takes place on the courageous couch as we have a deeper talk with a leader who has climbed up the rough side of the mountain and conquered. Now they are willing to share with us warts and all. Let's dive in. Listeners, welcome to this particular episode. You know me, excited again, can't help it, so sorry. But we have a woman who is a winner on this episode. So I'm going to ask her to introduce herself as she takes a seat on the couch beside me. Tell us her name and what she does for a living. Hi everyone, my name is Paula Watson. I'm the Managing Director for Academy Achievers and we work with children and young people who are disaffected, disadvantaged and come from hard to reach communities. And we specialize in science, technology, engineering and maths. And at the moment we are, well, we're championing on this um, project called the BME, where we want to raise 1 million BME girls, aspiration in science, tech, technology, engineering and maths related careers. And the reason for this is that we, over the years of running the Academy Achievers, we've always done exciting projects like robotic gun tournaments. And it's been, it's, been a, it's been an epic experience. And you see how excited the young people are. But what we noticed was that there was no girls. And then when we started to like, when I won my, my um, Win Trade Award for Women in Engineering, I said, I'm a role model, why, where are my girls? And when I used to be in teaching, I used to teach computer science, A-levels, and there was a lot of black girls in my class and they did exceptionally well. So I wanted to know what happened to these girls when they left my classroom. I'm not saying that I was the only person in this world teaching computer science, but I wanted to like follow that up. So. When I started to really look at my win, I'm saying, Paula, you know, you have to, this is, you have to make a real impact. And my passion is that I do want to see young girls seated at the, you know, in these positions, because I noticed that there's a disparity, you know, they're not, we don't see black women in these tech industry, but when we do see them, you know, what do they experience when they get into these workplaces? And I can tell you some, some of my experience that I've experienced as a leader in the education sector. And I started to think when I was listening to the Rose Allison review, because at my win, she was talking about the disparity in women, that gender, talking about, you know, there's a lack of women on the board's table, there's a lot of, there's a lack of women in, in entrepreneurialism. And when she started to think, tell us a figure about 5%, the UK making five percent women. I'm thinking, hold on, what's the percentage of BAME women? Then I thought, no, let's break this down again. What's the what is the percentage of me? And there was literally it was it was so disappointing that the Be Me project was birthed. So I am championing this cause because I can see. I don't know if you heard about what was happening with Google in terms of you know when you type in black women, gorillas were coming up. And I'm like. How are my young girls are going to be able to identify with that, especially to navigate through this new normal when, you know, part of the Be Me Challenge, it, it aligns with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals at 17. And we focus on the five key areas, which is social inclusion, entrepreneurialism, innovation, education, um, equality and mental, mental health and well-being. Tell us a little bit about the win. You mentioned the win. Just tell us exactly what you won in 2019. Oh God, I tell you. So I won women, the Win Trade, Win Trade Global Award 
for women in engineering. Now, mm. was, if you look at the book of people, like I'm just a little, a little small fish in all this, yeah? I'm here sitting with all these amazing women. Now these women were like international leaders. Some of them were like the prince and some were princess and some of them were prime minister's wife and they've done so much. And then I heard my name, Paulette Watson. Global. <laughs> did you faint? I did. I was crying. And then, it, then, I, then it was presented to me by the Ministry of Defence. I know, right? And then they invited me to this big... I'm like, huh? Is this all because of my passion? And I'm like, wow. Well, so it was a phenomenal experience. And after that, I've won quite... I've won some more awards. But the problem I have is... It's not about me, and I do find it difficult, and I get in a lot of trouble to celebrate my my successes because I'm so passionate about. I don't want it to just be me on this pedestal. I really want to see a million of us on this pedestal because it makes me feel better. So I know, I, I know you're, I know what you're saying, but it's not about you, but it is about you, Paulette. Okay. It is about you. You've got to accept the accolade and walk in the office that the accolade now brings you. If you think of Michelle Obama, if she was like, no, it's not about me. I'll just stay in the background. It's about you, girl. Stand up and, and be you. Oh and God. now, where am I? I'm in, my, I'm in my garden office, the she shed, my husband calls it. He's got a man cave. I've got a she shed. <laughs> and in my she shed, I have a portrait of Michelle Obama. It's about her, you know? So as I'm doing my thing, I'm looking up. I'm not saying I'm looking up in awe, but I am quietly subconsciously inspired but she had to walk in that big office of being married to the president but she had her own thing going on yes. it is all about you right now paula absolutely absolutely sometimes you do need to be you know you've just humbled me and um actually you are right it's, it is about me and it i'm is. learning and i'm learning but as i'm learning I'm, I'm still doing and the more i'm doing i'm being recognized for it Fantastic. But this, this idea of a million of us, I love that because that speaks of big. And I put a post out on LinkedIn recently. What is the point in having a small vision? What is the point in having small goals? If you're going to go big, go big or go home. Yes. No. So let's have a, rather than saying, you know, I'd like to see a hundred girls or more girls, put a number, a million. million. I want to see a million women black women, girls, old women, walking in that STEM office. I'm so excited. I can't, me, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a, I'll tell you why, I'm a secretly excited because I'm an ex-scientist. I say ex, oh. yeah, I left the profession of science and I went into education, but I started off as a wannabe CSI. No way. I did, I did a biomedical degree at the University of Wolverhampton. It was a technique at the time, but hey, we went there and I did a year out in a hospital called Russell Hall Hospital in Dudley. And my year out was working in a pathology lab and I worked in histology. That's amazing. That's, yeah, yeah. So if you go to hospital and you have something removed, like a, a biopsy taken or a bit of skin removed, it comes down to histology and we do the testing on it. So I was, you know, I used to imagine myself, I mean, this was in the days before the program CSI, but that's how I kind of described to people, that's what I was doing. I was testing the lumps and the bumps and the bits of skin and the moles and all the bits you have cut off 
they come down to us in little pots and we test them, you know, and we send back the results to the pathologist and then they analyze and do whatever. But I loved, I, I'm gonna say passion, I loved science. I loved working in science, but science at that time didn't pay. Yes. You couldn't make, you couldn't make a living. True, yeah. And at that time it was offering for a full-time position, I mean, I was at university, so I was, wasn't paid much, but as a full-time position, 9,000 pounds, which was, it wasn't possible to live. And it was the West Midlands, things were cheaper, but nevertheless, I thought, even if, it, even if my salary doubled over the next 10 years, it's going to be 18,000 pounds. You know, I can't, I can't. And that is why I left. But people say to me, Diana, what would you do if you were not a teacher and a head teacher and a leader, I would go back and actually I'd go back into midwifery. I want to be a midwife. Don't ask me why. I watch the program called the midwife, whatever it's called. I'd it's love this one. A doula. Yeah, but I want to, yeah, a doula is one that I think they do home births. I would love to go back, understand science, but understand using science to help women give birth. It's just a, a strange second career I'm planning to start when I'm 60. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you know what? Go big or go home. Well, listen, my niece was born in June during the pandemic and it was a home delivery and oh. the, the ambulance didn't come, nothing. We had to deliver her. And it, wow. it was based on my sister just understanding her body. My sister goes, we don't need to go to hospitals because I was able to know when to push. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> You know me, I'd have been all over the place. She's like, I'm looking at her thinking, and I'm like panicking. And she's like, she just said, no, it was, it was, it was painful, but her body knew what to knew do. What to do. So go oh. for it, go for it. Because oh, so you know, me. I've just exposed myself now. People are going to think, Diana, really? <laughs> <laughs> you beside me? <laughs> no, it'll be the other side of me, the nice side of me, not the head teacher side of me. <laughs> all right, back on the couch, come on. I want you to think about a challenge, personal or professional, that affected your leadership. And then to talk to us about that, the context of it, and how you did overcome. So tell us, what was the challenge? What was the context? Right, there's, there's, there's been so many challenges, but the, the, the latest one was the 23rd of January, 2019, when my father passed away. And seeing him there, I don't want to be too graphic, but when he was there, we left the hospice and I'm like, oh my gosh. Dad, wake up. And he didn't. And I knew that I still, one thing my dad always told me, once there's, a, once there's life, once there's breath, there's life. And said, no matter what, you still have to push forward. Mm. And that day I still had to go back into school because we were doing a massive national robotic tournament. And the children and the staff and the team, they were, they were relying on me. Even the universities, this is something big, Paulette, you're the keynote speaker, you're going to be the one presenting. And I'm like, how do I do this? My dad just died and I have to go. So went into the school and I was saying to the, te the head teacher, listen, my dad just died, but I'm still going to deliver. And she's looking at me like, really? I go, well, we have to because Saturday we're having a big, you know, competition and the children are relying on me. So we, we, we you know, we were talking to the children and the staff and telling them, this is what we need to do because I have to go back. And I told the children in the end, because Miss, how were you able to, to still lead us and just experience this amazing, this death, you know, we know your dad's close to you. 
And I said, it is what it is, it's life, we still got to move on it. And I said, actually, it's all about all these young people. We had, we had so many, it was like literally, the day of the tournament, we had over a thousand. I said, they are priority. So what that taught me was that we won the championship, one. Two, that was two years ago. Since then, we've been asked to host three other robotic competition remotely. And what that did was that it helped to, when I told this story, it showed how I was resilient, how I was tenacious, determined, you know, trying to get up each morning, knowing that, you know, still got to plan my dad's funeral, still got to plan and support my staff, yeah, my team, you know, making sure that we had all the safeguarding issues and policies in place to take these children from London to Bristol. It, it, it was crazy. And Dad's home going was exceptional, but it just told me that no matter what, no matter what life brings to you, no matter what it is, everybody has to go through experience death or bereavement. Everybody has to experience a loss. Everyone has to, have to experience a win. And since then, it's just taught me that no matter what, you know, tomorrow, it's not promised, but when it does come, show up and do your best. So with my leadership, how I look at it now and my team, the funny thing is they can't really come to me with anything because they've seen an example of when the storm was there, I was still able to perform. And while performing, that's when I was able to do exceptionally well. And it just told me that, you know, yeah, sometimes you do need to cry, you do need to step back, but life does go on. And that is the reality, life goes on. So that was my real challenge, but I turned it into a success. Wow. That, that's... I mean, it's, it's sad. Your father passed away. It, there's a sadness there. But that, that thing about life going, so I remember when my dad passed away, I remember looking at him in the hospital bed and he was, you know, it felt to me like he was half his size because the life had gone out of him. So it's just like the shell was left. But when we went to, to the house, back to the house where mum and dad lived and all his stuff, I'm thinking everything is still here He's taken nothing with him. Nothing. Nothing. So the, the, the deodorant he bought last week was still there. His favorite shoes, his, his, his denim aftershave, everything was there. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, but he's gone. So what do we do with all this stuff? You have to just go on. Yeah. And it, it's, it's that difficult because we thought, like, how could you? You know, your dad's just dying. You're back at work. Sometimes, if I don't do this, I will grieve. Of course I will. Of course you will. Of course I will. I'll grieve. I will, I will, I will express my hurt, my pain, all of that. But for this day, let me just do this because this, this whatever this is, in your case, and this was that, that competition, is a legacy building thing. And I don't want to miss a part of my legacy if I can help it. I will grieve. There'll be midnight hours. <laughs> That's going to come. Yes. But... This is legacy building. So you just mentioned the word resilience. Just explore a little bit. What does that mean to you? Ah, I think it encapsulates me. Yeah. <laughs> that keeps going no matter what. So like, for example, let me give you an example. During the pandemic, I, I, I went through a period of having an extreme like, panic attacks. Yeah. And it had, it, had it quite a, like an impact on my mental well-being. And... Can you imagine being in a home and if I didn't have a guardian, I don't know how I would have managed. And literally every single day, like the ambulance was at my house every, every night, 
literally, wow. it was embarrassing because I was thinking, oh my God, they will come at two o'clock in the morning I'm thinking, I hope they don't, the neighbours don't see that they're about yeah. to go with me. Wow. And like, the ambulance were laughing at me. I said, don't let them see my face. But it just made me realise that he, they kept coming. They said to me, they will keep coming until when I get better. I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm not, because no, but you keep, you know, you're panicking, you're getting anxious, the anxiety. So what I had to do was I had to say to myself, Paula, you will get through this. And I had to like condition my mind to just keep pushing. And even though, you know, we weren't able to go anywhere, being locked up, you know, I still had to go into work as normal, you know, in terms of my business, still I had to deliver but I knew by nighttime that this was going to happen. So I had to like prepare my mind. So for me, resilience mean is that you have to create a habit, whether it's a positive, well, for me, it was a positive one. And I had to train myself on what good looked like, you know, looking about, talking about my, my self-care, yeah? Looking at the way I ate, yeah? The type of food I ate, you know, in terms of my walking, in terms of being in the garden, spending time outside, meditating. And because I kept doing it and I kept telling myself, you know, you know, even when I said, even if it is bad, you will get through it. And that's how I was able to navigate. And that's what I use now in terms of, in all aspects of my life, in terms of my financial, in terms of my, 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 even my love life, in terms of my, you know, my religion, everything. I, I have a plan, like a strategic plan saying, how am I gonna move forward? Because before I think, I never used to plan. I would just, just get up and just say, this is it. Now I have a five-year plan. I know exactly what I want, what I want the outcomes to look like, the what I'm what the inputs I'm gonna put in, the outputs, how am I gonna manage that all together? And that's where I say, yes, I'm gonna push, push, push. And that's where my, res- my resilience comes in. Wow, that's so interesting. I mean, one of the one of the arguments that myself and my husband, my husband and I have quite a bit, because I say to him, You did what? Really? I mean, what was the plan there? <laughs> you know, because I'm into this plan thing. I am so. You, you said X, what did you, what did you think was going to happen? What was the plan? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you know, you get all manly and walk off. <laughs> but I am in, I'm into that thing about if you don't have a sense of a plan, if you haven't got the minutiae worked out, no problem. But if there's no overall plan, yeah. you will never know yeah. when success is there. And yeah. if I, I say to myself, resilience is, the ability to bounce back mm. to your original shape, your original form, to bounce back to the plan. But if there's no plan, you are bouncing all over the place. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no there's no place for your strength to be rooted in. Right. You know, yeah. so I, I love that. We said I'm able then to recover. Yeah. I can recover myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and the more resilient you are, it's an indication that you recover yourself quite quickly. Yeah. You know. And I think- I'm sorry to cut no, right in terms of like we always call it a business case. We always say, I will say, okay, let's go back to our business case and you know, understand is it viable? You know, you know, look at the cost of anything we do, we always do have a business case. And I think it helps because, like you said, we also celebrate failures as well, because failure is success inside out. And that's what I keep telling people is when you fail, is what what do you do with it? How do you move forward? And then when I go back to that piece of paper and said, okay, this is what I set out to achieve. Did I achieve it? Yeah. But what I also do when I go and I measure my outcomes, because I'm very, I have to be, because that's the only way I see that I've moved on. Do you see what I mean? And what do I want? Even when I have an argument, 
You know, I always think about, I always try and use emotional intelligence. What do I want the outcome of these arguments to look like? <laughs> How do I come to that? So I have to look at my tone, my yes. delivery. And sometimes when I approach it that way, seriously, when I approach it that way, you know, it's, it's, it's success all around. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. What do I want the outcome of this to be? It is, it's, it's a mini plan, isn't it? You know, and it's, you don't have to sit and write them. It's just about having an idea of where you are going so you can bounce back to that position if something happens that, you know, causes you to go askew or go awry. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for sitting on the couch with me, our virtual couch, having virtual coffee, but just sharing your truth. If listeners want to get involved with you, engage with your content, where can they find you? Cool. They can find us on, can go to our website, which is www.academyachievers.co.uk. And there's a list of information and resources. Or if you want to speak to me, you can go to my website, which is www.paulettewatson.com. And all my stuff is on there. It's all on there. So I know a lot of school leaders and people who work in schools listen to this podcast. So guys, girls in STEM, you now know what to do, where to go to get some help, resources and some ideas. Thank you so much. Paulette, I applaud you. Well done on winning the award and pushing forward. Go big. One million. I look forward to seeing that come to pass. Thank you so much for being on the Courageous Couch with me. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. You have been listening to Courageous Leadership, the podcast with me, your host, Diana Rezaghi, the author of the book, Courageous Leadership, available on Amazon now. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or via the website, Courageous Leadership, .co.uk. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until then, goodbye.